Dear friends in Christ, one of the places I like to travel to is San Francisco. And whenever I go there, got to go see that Golden Gate Bridge. We know that bridges often have a special beauty about them. And we know it's not the biggest bridge in the world. And with it being built over 85 years ago, it's not the newest bridge either. You know, you can stand there looking at that bridge and not get tired of ever seeing the site. And chances are you're going to whip out your digital camera or your phone and snap a bunch of pictures with it. Well, the newest and biggest suspension bridge that's in the world was built back in 1998, and that's in Japan. It's called the Akashi Kaikyo Bridge. And it boasts a main span there of over 6,500 feet, more than a mile. It's almost four times the length of the George Washington, or excuse me, the Brooklyn Bridge in New York City. And it stretches over 12,000 feet in total across the Akashi Strait. It links the city of Kobe with Awajishima Island. And each cable of that bridge, well, it's composed of 290 strands, and each strand is composed of 127 wires. And the length of all those wires, it spans over 186,000 miles, which you could circle the earth seven and a half times if you laid them all straight out. It's got two towers, and they're 928 feet, higher than any other bridge that's in the world. But we know that not all attempts to bridges have been successful. You know, back in 1940, there was a bridge called the Tacoma Narrows Bridge in Washington. And that bridge was hit by 40-mile-an-hour winds, and it started teetering back and forth. If you go online, you can actually watch video of that happening. And uh, there was the bridge, and it ended up collapsing. That one car there was the only car that went down. There was no one in it. And one dog died. Everyone else got off, but then 600 feet, that was the collapse that happened. And as a result, that roadway had only been open for a few months. And it took about 10 years to go and redesign and rebuild that bridge. And now there's actually two bridges with traffic going each way. Well, because people love to... Cross a wa- across, go across water and establish a link with others, there's always going to be a human hunger to build an immense bridge around the world. There is a current dream, too, to construct an intercontinental bridge from the Strait of Gibraltar in Spain down to Africa. And they were th- looking at that and just read about this this past year that they decided to build a subway instead a tunnel to go through to get across those waters. Well, the suspension bridge is really a metaphor for what would be the oldest question in mankind. And that is, how are we related or how are we linked to God? And what must be done to bridge that gap between the human and the divine? And deep in our conscience is a sense of our sin and our wrongdoing that you know, we're being separated from God. Some have thought that, well, as a result, you need to work hard at doing good deeds. Others think, well, maybe in the world you've got to sacrifice to idols of wood or stone. 
burning incense, offering prayers, and so on, that perhaps these efforts are going to build a bridge from our humanity to a holy and perfect God. Well, Paul, he uses in Romans an archery image. He says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Don't know if you've ever done bow and arrow, but when you try it first, you find out that it goes down. You don't hit that target. Well, maybe a bridge metaphor could have been working for Paul, too. Maybe he could have said that all bridges have collapsed and failed. You know, they've been destroyed by winds and earthquakes and even incomplete planning because of the sheer magnitude of the task. You know, he could say those bridges have come up short. But then God acted, and we're thankful he did. Because Paul writes to Timothy, there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. And in verse 34 of our text from Romans 8, Paul says, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Now, Romans 8 starts off about talking about our life in the Spirit. And just a couple verses before this, uh, in, uh, where we start our text in verse 28, it says back in 26 that the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Now here now in this passage, Jesus is the one who is interceding for us. I want you to look at that phrase, more than that. Have you ever thought about that very much when you read through that passage? You know, we know that the ultimate reason why Jesus came was to die on the cross for the sins of all. And here, we see Paul's emphasis is actually on his resurrection. Because as a result, we know that Jesus is alive forever. So he's able to speak to his Father on our behalf. Across the raging waters of our failures, our weaknesses, and also our acts of disobedience, comes someone who links us up with God. You know, we didn't design this bridge. We didn't even finance it or build it. And we certainly didn't deserve that bridge. But God took care of it in his son and in his death on the cross. You know, Paul's first century Roman Christians that he was speaking to, they bought into that as well. That congregation in ancient Rome, you know, they had some other concerns. They knew that as they were being looked at as objects for everything that was going wrong in the Roman Empire, well, certain things were happening to them. And there was every reason for them to wonder if there was a bridge between fear and hope, between suffering and glory, a bridge between the evil that was being done to them and perhaps good that would ultimately triumph. And they understood that Jesus Christ was our connection, our link. You know, the Lord himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But a different kind of bridge is realized now, that bridge of faith. And we have courage because of God's love for us. We have faith in God. We have faith in Jesus Christ. We have faith in that master bridge builder. 
So Paul begins those words here, saying, "We know that in all things, or we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose." You know, so often when people remember this verse, they associate it with things. You know, when during those bad times, and God is you know get a, get us out of something perhaps or get us through it because of our love for Him. But there are also many good times that we experience as well. And certain things happen, and perhaps we don't you know, acknowledge where that good comes from in our lives, those blessings. Faith is a bridge that works. We love God, and we hold on to God's creative purpose for our lives. You know, we can be confident that in spite of all the things to the contrary, that all things, not some things, but all things work for good. You know, that's the big picture. And when we see it in that way, then things will fall into place for us. You know, it shouldn't have worked that way. But it did, and it still does today. Faith is a bridge that stands strong in the face of a storm. Paul says there, you know, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Well, the answer we know is, of course, a lot of stuff. And then Paul goes on to mention a list of things. And he even talks about hardship and distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. All of these things are real possibilities, too. And they were, even for those Christians in the first century. Identifying yourself as a Christian back then, well, it meant that you had a loss of rights that you weren't able to conduct business in the marketplace there. You had a loss of economic well-being. You had the possibility of even being reduced to poverty. And you could even lose your life or see the life lost of a loved one. I want you to think back again to that Golden Gate Bridge now. When that was built in the 1930s, you know, they said that it was a bridge that couldn't be built. That bridge was to rise in San Francisco Bay. But it's an area known for a persistent, foggy weather. It'd be subject to at least 60-mile-an-hour winds and also those strong ocean currents. But it was constructed at a cost of $35 million and also 11 lives of those construction workers. And still standing today, we know, And it can even sway 27 feet as it can withstand even 100-mile-an-hour winds. Well, what's at stake for us as we identify as Christians in the world today? We may gain the respect and admiration of others, but very likely there's others who are going to say that we're a little bit odd being called Christian. Others may even try to link us with fringe religious groups that we're really not connected to. It's not easy in our culture today to proclaim one's faith boldly. Even though God is for us, there are plenty of storms in our life, too, that serve to challenge us, to weaken that bridge that we're crossing. We know today we're faced by economic pressures, the fear of losing relationships, perhaps, concerned about health issues. Maybe we're caught in battles of depression and despair. 
We are concerned often about terrorism, global warming, housing prices, interest rates, crime rates, and even road rage. It's amazing when you drive on the road today and those signs are there, they're saying, like, drive uh, and be nice. Didn't have to do that before. Before it was just information. Well, that bridge of faith, that bridge is critical to our well-being and even for our salvation. Because it's a bridge that must stand strong in those storms. And it does. Why? Because God is for us. You know, many things can be against us, but we know that nothing can prevail against us in Christ. This is a bridge that's long enough. Walk this bridge and we'll make it to the other side, that place called heaven. Nothing, Paul says, will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Jesus Christ. God's word is true. And there are many people that don't realize it. They say that it's so great that it's too great to be true. Well, youth, they especially are ones that depend on emotions, feelings. But it could be anyone of any age who might have a lot of emotions and feelings about you know, something that's really big for them. It's hard not to listen to your emotions, isn't it? A person might think, well, if I feel it, well, that must be the way that it really is. But we've got to be careful about those bridges that we choose in life. You know, Paul definitely urges us to stay on that bridge of faith that we were given by the Holy Spirit, not our feelings. And that bridge is long enough to keep us connected to our God, to his love. And you know what? It makes that the biggest suspension bridge in the world for all of mankind. It's a bridge that's high enough. You don't want to have a bridge that's low, and when those floodwaters come, you know, they get wiped and washed away. You know, we've seen that in our country during these past weeks with all the rains. We know that you don't want a bridge where there's floating debris that's going to knock out a span of that bridge either. That's why Paul writes, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Convinced that neither death, life, angels, rulers, things present, things to come, powers, height, depth, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Greek word that expresses that phrase, more than conquerors, is one word. It's hupernikomen. And it, it really is taking that word, and it takes it from an ancient Greek goddess called Nike. She was the goddess of victory in the Greek culture. And uh, that was her name, and obviously, you know, the shoemaker, who's even more famous nowadays with that. Well, Paul is saying, because of our faith in Christ and what he's done for us, we can be hyper-Nikes. We can be more than victors. And we are. We are more than conquerors. Well, Jesus says this to us. He says, don't be afraid. Just believe. Jesus, he welcomes us into a relationship with God that is not going to be shattered by terrorism or warfare 
or job loss or even bankruptcy. He enables us to walk on a bridge that will not collapse when it's being battered by even national turmoil or even personal pain. You know, he's asking us to, in the words of Max Lucado, let go of our grip on the things of this world and get a grip on grace. Let go of of our grip on things of this world and get a grip on grace. You know, suspension bridges, there are things of beauty, we know. And none are more beautiful than that bridge of faith when it's traveled by the believer. We've got our feet covered with courage as we walk. And our hands, you know, they grasp the word of God. They hold on to it. And we know that our face, it beams with the light of heaven in us. We all need a bridge. We need a bridge that works. A bridge that's high enough and long enough. And we know that it's a bridge that stands strong in the storm. So let's not be afraid to step out on that bridge. Let's not be afraid to step out in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray. Lord, we thank you for loving us, for giving us faith in Christ through your Spirit, enabling us to be those lights in the world for those who need to really know who you are and what you've done for them. So, Lord, as we walk in this life, be with us, hold us by your hand, and guide us each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.